I'm going to do this. I'm going to run for the United States Senate. The time is now for fresh ideas and new leadership. I'm running for student council because of you and for you. That is why I stand before you today to announce my candidacy for president of the United States of America. Hi, this is Kate Catherall, co-founder and partner with The Arena. Today I'm joined by Lucas St. Clair, who's running for Congress in Maine's 2nd District. Lucas is not only one of the most genuine candidates, but one of the most genuine people I've met in this work, and I'm excited to share our conversation with you. We talk about all the twists and turns in his journey that led him to this moment, why he's running for Congress, and what bold leadership in today's world means to him. Lucas, thanks so much for joining us today. Before we talk about your run for Congress and your vision for Maine, we wanted to start it by creating an opportunity for you to tell us your story. And so I was wondering if you could take about two minutes to give us the birth to now. Sure. Yeah. So I was born in northern Maine. My parents were homesteaders. They they moved to Maine in the early 70s and carved out a little uh, cabin in back in the woods with no running water or electricity. In 1978, they had uh, my twin sister and I. We were the first twins born in Mayo Regional Hospital in, in Dover, Foxcroft. And we spent uh, <clears throat> most of our upbringing when in a real close contact with the outdoors. You know, we uh, heated our house with wood. And when it got dark, we went to bed. And when it got light, we got up. And uh, it was an incredible way to grow up. And I spent so much time, you know, exploring the outdoors. And that really kind of framed the rest of, uh, of my life in a lot of ways. And uh, you know, ultimately, I, I went to high school in, in the western part of the state and <clears throat> was sort of a mediocre high school student and had a had an academic advisor there that, that recognized uh, my, my love of the outdoors and, and started finding ways for me to, to, to you know, find ways to, to get outside and, and to sort of capitalize on, on that excitement. And um, I, I ultimately was convinced to hike the Appalachian Trail upon graduating from high school, and then I took a Knoll semester and and paddled the Northern Forest Canoe Trail and, and about a thousand long mile uh, canoe canoe paddle in, in Northern Maine, and all of those things. Uh, I doing those types of traveling and getting an understanding of my capability was was so helpful for me to develop a, a voice. In for leadership and to to help groups travel together and travel safely and one of the things that I really stood out on all those types of travel uh, was was the value of food and how food is so directly connected to morale and I, I decided after a handful of years of that type of traveling that I would go to culinary school and so I, I went to culinary school became a became a cook worked in the restaurant industry for about a decade. Uh, and then <clears throat> through various twists and turns, uh, got called back to the outdoors in a project that my mom had started to create a national park in northern Maine. And I, I began working on that in, in 2011. And that's where I started to to really figure out uh, how important our, our democracy is and recognizing that the role that leaders play on Capitol Hill can affect the outcome of, of a lot of different things. And that campaign taught me a lot about uh, the importance of of having good leadership and having having good leaders represent our, our country. And and uh, after we won our campaign at the end of the Obama administration, uh, it, it I became 
really interested in, in working on another campaign, but trying to turn this public lands victory that we had into an electoral victory. And and now here we are running for Congress. Great. Thanks for sharing all of that. And I want to return to the present moment uh, soon. But first, I, I want to dive into uh, some of these other chapters in your life along the way, because I think it's really fascinating how many twists and turns your story has taken. Um, and it's, it's just really incredible. So you've obviously had a really entrepreneurial spirit for a really long time. Uh, you know, you mentioned going to culinary school. Um, you've been a conservationist your whole life and a big champion of the outdoors um, clear that, you know, your upbringing played a huge role in that. Um, but later in life, you became this advocate. You led this multi-year campaign to create this national monument. Um, what motivated you to take that on? Well, I felt like it was an opportunity to really highlight the incredible natural resources that exist here in Maine. And, um, you know, Maine has been a place that a lot of people have come to visit. They've come to go to summer camp and, and it's definitely in people's minds, but, you know, across, across the interior of Maine, there's, there's some unbelievably beautiful places. And, and I think the National Park Service so clearly highlights uh, our, our country's beautiful places and thought if we were able to elevate the status of, of conserve, conserved land in, in the interior of Maine, perhaps we could raise this awareness to a national and even international level. And that was the original motivation that, that got me into the into the work, and um, you know it, it it took a lot of twists and turns over the course of the next uh, several years, but it was it, that was the original motivation. And you also mentioned having worked um, in the restaurant. I'm sorry, the restaurant industry, the food industry. But you were a small business owner, if I have this right. You started a bakery in Winter Harbor that grew into like a pretty thriving business. Yeah, exactly. So I, I when I graduated from from culinary school, I, I um, worked in various restaurants, uh, and then decided to come back to Maine, and started a, a little bakery in a small uh, a small town in in Hancock County, and it it became pretty successful. And over the course of a few years, we you know we we started by just making you know bake bake goods, and then we started serving breakfast, and then we started serving breakfast and lunch, and then we started serving dinner, and uh, before long we had. 45 employees and and served three meals a day, seven days a week, and it, it was a great fun. I mean, it was it was a, a really important uh, learning experience for for me to understand. You know, just the, having the responsibility of having employees and and trying to inspire people to to uh, work hard and and stay focused and the immediacy of of the restaurant industry you know it in a lot of ways reminds me a lot of politics where things just are constantly coming over the transom and you there's a lot of responsive action that needs to take uh, that one needs to take and there's something also of just the kind of the adrenaline of working in in the restaurant industry and where you know sales is happening and manufacturing are happening at the same time you know simultaneously you have these two very different parts of a business happening and uh, and the interaction between the front of the house and the back of the house and that dynamic is always uh, a really interesting one. But they're also like really grounding uh, in, in agriculture and understanding where food comes from. And it, it, it's, it's a really, it's an incredible industry. It sounds like a really valuable experience to have as somebody who's thinking about going into policymaking and thinking about how you improve on you know, the economic landscape for your state. One other question that I have to ask about your career path um, is about your time as a professional fishing guide. My brother is also a professional fishing guide. He's a fly fishing guide in Sun Valley, Idaho. What was that chapter in your life like? It was the sort of the, the transition from uh, the restaurant industry to try to, to to getting back outside. I 
after a decade of working in, in the restaurant industry, I was thinking like, you know, I need to spend more time outside and I need to spend more time outside during the day. And what, you know, how am I going to do this? But I really loved the hospitality aspect of, of the restaurant industry. And I've been fly fishing my whole life and, you know, fishing is one of my very favorite things to do. And so I thought, you know, I could start guiding where I would, it would it's very much about hospitality and it, and it's outside. And so I, uh, Got a drift boat and uh, started working for a, a fly shop in in Seattle, and it was incredible. It was, I mean, it's such a great, a great thing. You know, fishing to me represents all that is good in the world, and being on rivers and exposing other people to all of the different aspects of, of of fishing, and you know, understanding hydrology and entomology and the you know, fish, where fish are going to be at any given time, and the connection to the ocean in the in the Northwest. We fished for a lot of anadromous sea run fish, and uh, it, it was just a incredible opportunity to see people that had been fishing their whole lives have a new experience, or people that had never fished before, and teach them how to tie knots and and uh, get into the sport. Uh, it was a great thing to do, and um, and I and I did that up until uh, we found out that uh, my wife and I were going to have our our first child. We thought, all right, it's uh, I've got to get a more serious job now. And uh, it, it wasn't long after that that I uh, started working on the national park. Wow, and I'm sure you don't spend a ton of time talking about this on the campaign, but I actually think it's really valuable for voters to know how many different vantage points you have experienced in your life and how many different um, sort of life's lives you've tried out. Um, it's really, I think, something that allows you to see the world in a way that is empathetic and and in touch. So thanks for talking about that. Um, last sort of question about um, about you, and then we'll get into to Maine and why you're running and, and your vision um, you mentioned that uh, you stopped doing the guiding thing when you found out you were going to have your first child. She makes a pretty incredible appearance in your campaign launch video. Can we expect any more excellent digital content from your family? I hope so. Uh, I mean, uh, that was uh, somewhat of a uh, spontaneous thing we did at the very beginning of the campaign to bring Ella uh, into it. And uh, But, you know, this to to go through this process with our kids has just been one of the most remarkable things to see the, a campaign through their eyes and to understand that what we're doing now and the decisions that we're there we're making and the and the kind of intensity of the work is really for them and setting up this country and this planet to be uh, to be better a, a better place for them is is it, you know it's the motivation. And it's also just so fun. I mean, our daughter, as you can as you can uh, see in the video, is uh, quite a ham and you know a precocious a precocious little girl. And so she loves being out on the campaign trail. And she goes canvassing with us, and she uh, comes to parties in in the office and various events. And this morning we had a debate last night, and uh, this morning she comes running into the bedroom. You know, I didn't get back until you know after midnight, and so she comes into the bedroom this morning, and she was like, "Papa, I I really think you could have tightened up your opening statement a little bit more." And, you, and <laughs> she was like, "Really critical of the mic," but she was like, "But you know, you also did really good on the answer around broadband." And, and she like totally Aww. is, you know, 
uh, critiquing the whole thing. And then at the end, she's like, and I really like your tie. You know, I thought you, I thought you made a good tie choice. <laughs> Sounds so like a future campaign a strategist <laughs> or a current oh, campaign totally. strategist. Good feedback. Yeah. Good feedback. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. And very honest critique too. It's, she doesn't hold back. <laughs> well, it's good to know you have someone who can be candid with you. Um, Great. So I want to transition now to the campaign and um, why you're running for Congress. You talk about this um, as a time to be bold. Uh, so tell me what that means to you and, and talk a little bit about the change that you want to see in the way that we do politics. Well, <clears throat> a lot of it comes from the work that I did on uh, on the National Monument. So I, I ultimately wanted to, or originally wanted to create a, a national park through legislation. And so the first, first few years of the campaign were, was listening to people, trying to figure out how we could make a, a national park work for as many different stakeholders in the region. And so we worked on drafting legislation. We worked with energy and natural resources on the Senate side. We worked with natural resources on the House side. Made sure that we were, you know, still in the in the realm of possibility, and, and we worked with our congressional members, and you know, felt like we built a product that made a lot of sense. And all the while, despite you know what we all know about Congress, there there's still there, there was still some uh, national park legislation moving through. Uh, you know, they weren't standalone bills, but things were moving through on. On, on omnibus bills uh, around in, in 2014, uh, the defense reauthorization uh, brought seven bills through. And so I was pretty optimistic. And so I was working with our congressional delegation. And, and this has been a very controversial idea for almost three decades in Maine. So this, this is something they all knew about and they all knew the controversy. But what they hadn't been tracking was the changing uh, the changing ideas and, and how people were feeling on the ground. And they just were not willing to take a risk. They were not willing to step out and say, you know what? I know this hasn't been popular before. And I know it's a big idea that would potentially be very transformative for this community. Uh, so let's let's push for it. They they weren't they they just said, you know, it's too controversial. There's not enough support. Even if the support, you know, poll, poll after poll after poll was showing that it was m- much more than 50%. Now it's over eighty percent support, but they still weren't weren't willing to to kind of step out. And I feel like so many uh, of the the leaders in Congress, members of Congress, were waiting for everyone else to line up, and then standing in the front of the longest line and calling that leadership and calling that you know a, a bold vision for the future of our country. And it just got, it became so frustrating to me. And in the summer of 2017, the the member that is sitting in this in this seat in Maine too, right now, uh, took a vote to repeal the Affordable Care Act, and the, it it went so far beyond just you know in a, an ideological difference than than what I have uh, or my viewpoints. It, it became you know this isn't just not being bold. This is being reckless. Uh, and and putting people's lives in in danger, and that's when I felt like you know why not try to completely overhaul our uh, our system of of delivering medical care in our country. You know why not be bold? But why we have to get come together and have those really hard conversations and and you know get into the weeds and 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 figure out what's best. And to see <clears throat> to see leaders in Congress just say, ah, oh, let's just scrap the whole. ACA, it just, it seemed so, uh, it, 
just got reckless to me that I, I that that ultimately pushed me into into wanting to run. So healthcare is clearly one big motivator in addition to kind of the way that that people are leading or failing to lead in Washington and the contrast with how they talk about leadership. Um, what other challenges is Maine facing? Um, and what are your priorities for addressing those challenges if you get elected? Well, you know, Maine, I think Maine's biggest challenge is capitalizing on its opportunities. Uh, and how to best do that is, you know, is there's a, there's a bunch of different solutions. But you know, we're an old state. We're one of the oldest states in the country. This is the second most rural congressional district in the country, uh, which means there are more people living in, in communities of with a population of 25,000 or fewer. And uh, how those rural and elderly communities stay connected, the fabric that connects all of them, is what's going to make them stronger and make us all stronger as a district. And right now, that fabric is you know, the very literal fabric of roads and, and rail and, and telecommunication and, and broadband uh, is is weak and it hasn't been invested in in a long time. And our, we don't have uh, a, a robust highway system in Maine. Uh, our, we have not made investments in our rail for, for goods and for passengers. And we haven't made investments in our broadband. We have the slowest internet connections in the country. And for, for East Coast standards, we're a relatively big state. And so we need to find ways to make investments in our infrastructure so people can continue to live in these rural communities. Because there's nothing, uh, you, based on my experience and growing up in one, they're, they're great places to live. The quality of life is really high. There's a lot of great recreational opportunities. There's a lot of great entrepreneurial opportunities if we can uh, create an environment where we can we can uh, actually run small businesses and and the 21st century really depends on on high speed internet and it depends on on a on a transportation system where we can connect with people and so we 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 need to capitalize on the the natural resources that exist in Maine the high quality of of life in Maine uh, but we have and we have to do that by by making investments. So one of the things that I think um, can be a real challenge when it comes to engaging um, people around the importance of politics and getting engaged and getting involved in voting is actually bridging sort of the divide between policy in the abstract and how it affects people's everyday lives. You have done what I what, what might be described as like a, a pretty thorough listening tour of your district, right? You've had like a thousand cups of coffee or something like that. You've gone around talking to people all over Main second district. Um, are there stories that you've heard that have really crystallized for you the importance of why you're running or um, stories that have surprised you as you've been going around listening to people and, and learning about their lives? Yeah. I mean, the I was talking to someone from Patton, Maine, which is a town of about a thousand people uh, in, in northern Penobscot County. And they were describing an experience. They had, they had to go to Boston for uh, health care needs. And they were describing the reaction that they had when they arrived in Boston. They hadn't been there in a long time. Uh, and, you know, for those of us that are, are familiar with the big dig in Boston, it was under construction for a while. Uh, and they hadn't been there since that was finished. And now it's, you know, Boston is this sort of glistening city with public transportation and 
tall buildings and sports teams and a lot of people and the their cell phones worked the whole time and there was you know fast internet speeds and they were like wow look at this place look at all the investment that's being made here and they were just so kind of shocked by the fact that Boston has moved so far into the future and their communities their the community that they lived in hadn't and uh, I also then see you know there's this there's this great um these four brothers that own a uh, own a farm in northern Aroostook County where potatoes is is the, the the main crop and for for years and years and years they uh they planted and harvested potatoes and all four brothers went to University of Maine and they got engineering degrees and one of them was on a a brewery tour and uh, as he was walking around uh he looked over and saw a pallet of barley on the on the brewery floor and he said, you know, what do you guys do with barley? And they said, well, we, it's a key component in brewing beer. And he said, well, we've been growing barley for 70 years and we, we sell it to New Brunswick as pig feed. It's just a cover crop. They said, well, hey, if you if you'd malt it, we could, we'd buy it. We'd buy every bit of bar, malted barley you have for our beer. And so they went home and they started a malting floor and and now they have a thriving business where the you know the big potato potato warehouse is is filled with with malted barley and they're sprouting it on these great floors that they made and and so I see this economy that's making this real interesting transition and all it takes is are these little uh observations and investments to really change you know a family business that's been around for a couple generations and, and how all of a sudden they've got this brand new market that they they couldn't imagine existed there. And around Maine, what I see more than anything is these rural communities where a handful of people that are real spark plugs said, okay, you know, this is, this is what our future is going to look like. And they get to work. And Maine's the kind of place where a, a couple people with a big idea can, can really change things and, and move the needle. And, it's it's really exciting to see that happening in, in a lot of different places around the state. <laughs> so that was great. Thank you. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit and, and talk about what it's like to run for office and just the experience of that. A lot of people in the arena community um, are folks who have, you know, kind of gotten engaged politically more recently um, or are thinking about running for office. So what has surprised you the most about the experience of deciding to run for Congress? Well, so this has been a, an amazing, amazing experience. And, you know, I am so thrilled to be able to have the opportunity to do it. And um, there, a lot of things came together that allowed me to do it. Um, and a, a big part of it is my family and my wife um, being so uh, dedicated to 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 the work and and really joining me in the effort you know she's in the other room right now calling voters and uh has you know went out and got lunch for everybody for 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 the campaign and and you know we are very much partners in all of this and it wouldn't be possible with without her um and then i'm just i'm amazed by how many people and how many young people are getting engaged right now and you know we have an office filled with amazing staff and amazing volunteers that have spent hours and hours making phone calls and knocking on doors and writing postcards. Uh, 
there, there, a woman has been coming into this office for the last several months. She's written over 750 postcards to voters around the district. And it's just, it's incredible to see the, the amount of, of energy that people are putting into this campaign. And it really is what makes this all so special and, and makes it so meaningful is that people, people believe in this. People believe in, in me and they believe in the message of our campaign. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's an incredibly powerful feeling. I bet. That is um, a very, I think, optimistic uh, and, and wonderful description of what it's like to run for office and, and see kind of a movement build around you. But I also know firsthand how challenging it can be. You are on 24-7. You're constantly traveling. You're talking to people every day. It's really easy to like kind of come down with laryngitis. Um, it can be exhausting for a lot of people. It's just a lot of work, um, you know, for campaigners, but also and most especially for candidates. So given all of that and just the lifestyle that you've committed to to run this campaign and given everything that's going on in our country, um, my, my last question for you before we just do some housekeeping items is how do you stay sane and what keeps you going? That's that's a really good question. <laughs> the uh, and it's it's totally true. I mean, you probably are noticing my voice kind of cracking, and um, I've been I I've been at a lot of events and speaking in, uh, a ton, and and trying always to avoid getting sick. And uh, it's it's very demanding, both physically and mentally. And um, I think you know, I my kids are a huge motivational uh, motivation for me, um, and and knowing that you know we as a society have chosen this this experiment of democracy, and as, if we work it, if we all choose to participate and be as active in it as possible, it does so much better. You know, it's like. Uh, you know, a fire burns brighter when you put all the wood on it, and democracy works better when everyone is engaged. And uh, that's, you know, I feel like the, the the role that I can play right now in in is is being a candidate. And but it's it's this, you know, the the democracy itself is what's so inspiring. And my my grandparents uh, moved here as as immigrants, and this country took them in and. Uh, my mother was started a business from from scratch in a in a one room schoolhouse in northern Maine that grew to be a, a very successful business and the power of the American dream and the the reality of all the things that are possible in this country are it, it makes me want to make sure that the next generation is able to have those same experiences and the the, the amazing things that we've done as a country and 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 the work that we've done for for civil rights and for equality. And, and we're not there yet. You know, we, we clearly have more work to do, but that is the motivation uh, for me is to, to be a part of that work, to be a part of the change, to continue to work, to try to make uh, this, this country better for as many people that are, that are living here as we can. And it's, it's certainly difficult. And there's a lot of different ideas and a lot of different motivations out there. But that's also part of the joy is that uh, going into something with an open mind and going into uh, every situation with someone knowing that you might have the opportunity to to learn something and to to, to walk away a, a more dynamic person is 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 the motivation. And 
I, I'm, I've become good friends with the writer Terry Tempest Williams over the over the years, and she I, I was watching her give a talk one time, and she she had this line about someone asked her about compassion and in around land conservation. You know how how do we as if as land as we work to conserve land, not everyone's going to agree with it. How do we be compassionate to those that have different viewpoints? And she said, what's so important is that we make ourselves, in order to be compassionate, we have to make ourselves vulnerable. We have to put ourselves out there and in a vulnerable situation. And if we aren't, then we're not truly understanding someone else's position. And therefore, we can't truly be compassionate. Uh, and and empathetic to w- to what they're going through, and I think in a lot of ways what this campaign has been for me is is exposing myself to those vulnerabilities in order to understand people's lives better. And it it uh, it is incredibly motivating when I understand another way of uh, of thinking and and understand someone else's position. And we need to we need to do that so much more as a country. We need to put ourselves in those vulnerable positions. We need to find ways to connect with people and not just the people that we agree with, but the people that are, you know, are very often our, our neighbors and our relatives. And that, that is a a real touchstone for, for this campaign for me. That's beautiful. Thank you. So I referred to this as a housekeeping item, but it's not, it's, it's maybe the most important question. Um, How can folks who may be listening right now and feeling inspired, how can they get involved in your campaign? Well, we are five days away from a primary, so we are, uh, you know, all hands on deck. If if anyone uh, wants to come to Northern Maine in the next five days and knock on doors and or or make phone calls from where they are, uh, we we're ready and and willing to take anybody uh, in into the fold to help us. Um, we also uh, in, are on various forms of of paid media, and we we hope to stay up on those on those. Uh, platforms through the end of the primary, and so uh, any any contributions to the campaign is are very welcome, and you can make those through our website at stclairforcongress.com. Being able to enhance our uh, visibility on on social media, follow us on on Twitter and on Facebook and on Instagram, and uh, you know staying engaged with our campaign that way. Um, but you know every, every every campaign certainly needs time talent and treasure and and this is what you know what we've really realized more than anything this is a campaign like this is much more than than just a candidate but it's about a, a big grassroots groundswell that that pushes things over the edge thank you so much for joining us today lucas uh, if folks are interested in getting involved you can visit lucas's website or check him out on the arena website we are so glad that people like you are running we want to do everything we can to help well, thank you. Thank you so much, Kate. And this, I also want to just say what a pleasure it's been to be a part of, uh, of the arena. This has been an incredibly uh, enriching experience for myself and for many of our staff. So thank you so much for your help. Our pleasure. Our pleasure.